Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you touched on something that I think is, is really important. I think is really mm-hmm. key to, you know, being a humble leader. People could have heard earlier, oh, I'm really competitive. And sometimes in the workplace, you know, depending on the environments or maybe even if somebody wants that upward mobility, it can, it can be kind of cutthroat. Yeah. But if I hear you right, it's been, hey, I'm competitive, but it's because I want to help the team grow or I want to help the, the yeah. company grow. Um, and I'm going to be humble enough to admit when I've made mistakes or when I oh, need yeah. help or some of those things and, and kind of balancing those. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Oh, absolutely. Like there is nothing that can get done with one person. <laughs> and I'm such a believer now more than ever as I'm on an executive team and I have vice presidents that are overseeing large teams. So I mm-hmm. used to have a team of 15 to 20. Now I have a team of two and they have the team of 20. So such an important aspect is like they are my right and left arm and the folks that they're influencing are farther removed from me. So anyway, it starts with like, you have to absolutely like build the team around you. And they, I look like hiring is one of my most important aspects because I have to have like trust and belief and build, have people around me that, that bring a different perspective than I have or a different strength. Um, knowing again, back to that team, whether I'm the leader or not, I need a strong team and we need a strong team to actually get things done. Um, so that is just absolutely a huge part. Plus, I definitely think like the reason I've been successful at Lightcast and and continue to see upward mobility is absolutely that humility. A lot of the culture at Lightcast is the like, you go see an opportunity, that's that's great, but you go do it, you go prove it. And if it works or it, it fails, but you're doing it, then eventually you'll get the promotion or you'll get paid. So that's a kind of a flip in the way a lot of organizations work and that, you know, usually it's a, okay, you get the job, here's the money, go get the promotion. And I'd say that's not how it was here. It's very much a place where it's like, oh, I see something I need to fix. I'm going to go fix it. <laughs> and because of that, and it's worked or, you know, you, you built something now we'll follow, um, the promotion and, and the job. So I think that that's another aspect that it's not about the glory or yourself or, or even the promotion. It's about actually getting work done first and foremost. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, help, help me and, and our listeners know how you navigated a specific situation, because this comes up actually quite a bit in businesses, even ones that I work with, where maybe there's an ownership change, there's a leadership change, there's a, a, a name change, like there's something bigger that's going on um, structurally with the organization. And that's something that you experienced, right, in your time um, before it became light, Lightcast. And I'm sure there were some things just in the background around uncertainty or, hey, how's this going to go? And, and you're a leader, you know, you're being looked up to. How did you help navigate that? I would say number one for yourself with some bigger organizational changes. But how did you um, communicate with your team or help them through uh, some of that change as well? Yeah, really good question. So at Lightcast, about, oh my gosh, it's maybe been a year and a half now. Um, the prior company that I worked at with was MZ. And we got bought by a private equity firm and that private equity firm merged two competitors. So merged MZ with our competitor, Burning Glass. Both companies were about 200 employees um, and we were merged together. And so literally like overnight, we had to go from being the company we were to the company we now were going to be. And through that, there were 
absolutely like you look back at that time and you're like how did we survive like what some of it is a blur um but i guess the one big thing is pretty quickly on it was determined that the leadership team so my boss me were was staying intact and the other organization was gonna kind of merge um under that under that organization Mm -hmm. so um in terms of my like life changing quickly i still had my team, but then I had a bunch of people being added to my team. And then of course we had a lot of things to figure out. Um, Biggest thing is at the time I was leading the sales and marketing team that the first thing is we had 20 years of experience as competitors. So at the, like Mm. the heart of the, the people doing the work, they had built mess. We had built our messaging, how we talk as like an antithesis of that company. So the ability like overnight for someone to come in and their pitch and everything they say and they believe in and they think of is in like direct opposition of what the other company is. So that was even more of like a challenge than just merging two companies. So we definitely, especially in the sales front, had to quickly like kind of pair it all back to the bottom and be like, we, even though... The organizational structure for me stayed the same. We we are a new company today. Like we have to rebuild how we think, what we talk about, what is important. And to do that, we have to learn from each other because 20 years doesn't just go away. So um, I would say in that time, just like so much, especially as a manager, so much first and foremost, empathy for people that are going through change, whether it's small or large for each of the individuals, there was a lot of change. So some people from the other organization who had maybe been the top leader that were now coming under me, (laughs) how Mm -hmm. to navigate that and to have empathy, to listen, to understand and come to common ground. We're just, you know, core tenants of how you treat people in general, but in really important in a time of so much change. Um, Mm -hmm. Other things is honestly, we just had to get to work. Like the business still starts working. So um, we had a lot of support from our private equity um, firm who had done this before, but um, really quickly had like operational groups that were like, okay, we need to figure out our pricing model. We need to figure out this. So just mm-hmm. getting teams to work together and think on these aspects of work. Um, also knowing there's a lot of change going on, but it helped to keep us focused was really helpful. Um, and then I think the other component is we are, we're almost a fully remote team, but finding there was importance in bringing people together and when you need to do that for FaceTime. So uh, really quickly started bringing these individuals in person. <laughs> Let's get together. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a happy hour. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, you know, how this is hard. And then let's get back to work the next day. And so I think some of those things were just really important. All that to say, we're a year and a half later. There's still the obvious things that we like little things, but I and I don't have much comparison. This is the big, biggest merger I've been through. But all in all, I think things went fairly well. We're now a 700 person company. We're growing and we rebranded um, to Lightcast. And um, yeah, like all things in general, we used to always make the legacy MZ or legacy burning glass. That's like that language has really gone away. So um, knowing its evolution, there's always things that we have to improve upon. But in general, being on the other side feels good. (laughs) And um, there were lessons learned, of course, in that. 
Yeah, I bet. Gosh, there's a lot of transition. And, and like you said, kind of have the two, these two camps entrenched almost against each other. Right. And then it's like, Hey, yeah. we're together now. And yeah. uh, we're part of the, the same one big happy family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the remote piece too. So you have folks, obviously, like you said, that you could just get together with and are close, but you also have remote folks who are geographically pretty spread yeah. apart. Yeah. And so how did that sort of play into your attack or your plan of attack? Um, in helping just try to foster the kind of culture that you wanted to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that is, so I um, run marketing for the company, but as a part of that, I also run our internal communication. So that is always an evolution because even little things that were like how one company operated with their all hands stand up in front of the company, they just brought everyone together. Well, really quickly, we couldn't do that anymore because we now have 200 people in India in a different time zone. So like, we can't leave out half of this company um, in terms of our main communication. So like really quickly, we had to pivot and transition, but it's hard because then you have some folks like, wait, that's not fair. Like, I, I'm, I have the expectation of how this culture was created. So um, mm. I would by no means say that we have the answer here, but a couple of like, I think things that have helped through this. So we have two headquarters, one in Moscow, Idaho, and one in Boston, um, where there were core groups of people. So, and then we had an office in the UK and a large office in India, and then a huge remote team. That's all the time we have for this episode. To keep listening, continue on to the next part.